0: Welcome to tonight's Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome guest moderator, writer and broadcaster, Rick Edwards.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, good evening, how are you all? You alright? Oh, okay, lively. Obviously when the um, filmmakers come out you'll need to settle down a bit, otherwise they won't be able to hear themselves think. Um, so yes, welcome to this uh, Meet the Filmmakers event, uh, for uh, which is going to be with the director and stars, of How I Live Now, um, which is out on general release on Thursday, the 4th of October. I think I've got that right. Um, Let's start by having a look at the trailer for the film.
2: Hi. No one calls me Elizabeth, except my dad, and he's an asshole. So if you don't mind, my name's Daisy. Before the war, I thought one day the world around me would start to make sense. And
3: I ain't need nothing else, Mm -hmm. no one else but you and I.
2: I was looking for reasons why things happen. Who is that? Edmund. He's the oldest. I guess I was pretty naive back then. You and I, no
3: one else, nothing else you and I. I'm glad you came. It's better with you here. You can't split us up. We need to
2: get away from here. I've got everything together. We're going home. End. If we can get through this, I want to be home, with you. And that's how I live now.
1: You're right to clap. You are right to clap. Uh, now, please welcome to the stage the director, Kevin MacDonald, and two of the stars of How I Live Now, Sersha Ronan and George McKay. Thank
2: you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. How are you all? You all right? Very well, thank this you. This is very exciting. Oh, you enjoy your headsets? Yes. It I love It feels very Apple.
2: It feels typically Apple to yeah, have a headset. Yeah, like we're in
1: the future, doing a future Q&A. Yeah. Um, Kevin, how long ago did you first get an inkling that this was a film that you wanted to make?
0: I was sent the book by the producer, Charles Steele, and uh, he was at the time making it with another director. <laughs> And he just right. said, oh, this is a great book. I, I want to make it to film, so have a read. And I read it and thought it was a beautiful book. So my, my interest in making the film just came purely out of admiring and loving the book and thinking it was really original and un, unusual. So is
1: he trying to make you feel jealous by saying, I'm making this film with this <laughs> other director?
0: No, he thought it would be a little gentle relief from whatever I was doing at the time, I think. And, um, uh, uh, and then fortunately for me, that other director you know, went off and did something else. And, and um, so I got to do it. Oh, serendipity.
1: Um, uh, and have you guys read the, the book? Yeah.
2: I hadn't um which sounds very unprofessional but no, 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 that's I was
0: deeply deeply unprofessional Do,
2: does a little bit mm-hmm. um It was
0: a deliberate policy No
2: it was I I chose to read the book after we made the film um which I've usually done whenever I've been uh, in a film that's been adapted from a book anyway because I just prefer to focus on the screenplay but I read parts of it afterwards and um was very emotional It's always interesting to go back to a book afterwards because you suddenly picture Like, George as Eddie and um, basically all the same. You basically picture the film.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, What did you make of the book when you read it then, George? I thought it was beautiful. Like, my sister was a...
3: I've got a young sister and she was a fan of the book. So she put me onto it. And I I wanted to read it anyway just because with Eddie, this whole thing of, you know, understanding people on a kind of deeper level, anything that would kind of get, let me, although the characters are somewhat different in the book and the script, obviously mm. they're, you know, based sort of on each other. Sort of an other. amalgam
1: of two. Yeah,
3: so just anything that would kind of give me more of an understanding to each character, so if I wanted to read it.
1: I guess it's not easy adapting a book that has such a strong kind of first-person narrative, like the, the internal monologue. Yeah, no, that's
0: the hardest thing about this adaptation was that it's, it's all in the, a first-person um, uh, voice, spoken voice of Daisy in a way, and... Um, uh, you know, you can't have a voiceover through the film from beginning to end. So we had to find a way to create the character anew in a way, like um, giving her um, ways to articulate how she felt, and for us to visualise how she how she felt. All the things that had been internalised in the in the book, and which she could write down in her diary or whatever. Um, we had to find ways to externalise those, and um, that was tricky, and it took a long time. It took it took. I think we worked on the script for a couple of years. And a couple of different writers had a go at it. And it, w- it was, it was a, probably the hardest adaptation that I've ever done.
1: Um, originally, you wanted uh, a cast of unknowns, didn't you? At what point did you change your
0: mind about that? When I met Sertia?: Sure. Uh, uh, well, I, what happened originally was that I wanted, I wanted unknowns because it felt like this should be a... Um, first of all, <coughs> the characters in the book, I should say, are, are, are 15 and 14, <coughs> I think, the, the two that you see before you. Um, Daisy and Eddie and so I was looking for young actors who were a bit younger and I went to America and I had a casting director there who saw thousands of girls and I couldn't find anybody who either seemed right to me or who had the acting talent or more than anything just had the kind of the edge or the sense of the, 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 the damage that there is in Daisy because Daisy is a character There's quite a lot of damage in her and they all seem too happy. I don't know, American teenagers, they all seem so well-balanced, I don't know. <laughs> and um, so, so then I met Saoirse, and she's really not well-balanced. I'm not well-balanced <laughs> um, yeah. at all. No, th- th- then, um, then uh, uh, I met Saoirse, and she read a couple of scenes from it, and I thought, my God, you know, I'm an idiot. Why didn't I immediately phone her up in the first place and say, will you do this film, please, Saoirse? Because she was so brilliant, and she, I, I think, gave me a lump in my throat when she read those scenes. And it became obvious then that we should make the character a little older, so I think Saoirse was playing someone who was 16, and because um, she looks so youthful. And I think you were, you were 18 at the time though, weren't yeah, you? you? Just t- just turned 18, yeah. 17, 17, 18. Um, so yeah, that's how I came across Saoirse. And then really everything else fell into place around her because once you've got one solid piece, you know, the is usually very easy. So George, I had seen a tape that he did really early on in the process and I, I'd thought, oh, he's too old. I would dismissed him because I'd imagined in my head a 15-year-old or a 14-year-old girl playing Daisy and then it was the casting director who said, oh, what about, what about George? You know, and I like, oh, yeah, let's look at him again and he came in and he read with Saoirse and they had beautiful chemistry and that's how it happened.
1: I was going to say because it's incredibly important to the film that uh, the two of them Speaking about you like you're not here, um, have this kind of chemistry, electric so anyway, chemistry um. <laughs> from from the off. Was that what you were looking for when? when yeah, the I think so. I mean, I,
0: well, more than anything else, I was looking for two wonderful actors, mm. and um, they both are wonderful, wonderful actors, and it brought huge depth, brought so much. You know, great actors bring so much more than what's on the page to the to the, to, the, to the part, and. Uh, so yeah, that that was what I was looking for. But also, it felt like they you know you need to believe that th- they fall in love. There's nothing worse. We've all seen love stories where you think there's no way that those two are together. It just doesn't feel right. And it's a sort of chemical thing, isn't it? And so um, they they felt like they had that, and felt that they you know could believably be 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 in a relationship together. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get for the other cast, you know, some really brilliant young actors, Tom Holland, who might you might have seen in The Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, who's now filming with Ron Howard tonight, so he can't be with us. Okay. he got too big for his boots. Um, and, uh, uh, and then Harley Bird, who plays a little 10-year-old ten, girl, um, who's the voice of Peppa Pig, for those of you who know who Peppa Pig is. Big big, big, um, big name amongst three-year-olds. Yeah. My goddaughter, Violet, loves her. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, it, is it interesting as,
1: as actors when you're going into a situation knowing that it's important that you have chemistry, which I suppose is something you can't necessarily control or, or engineer because when when that happens as, as Kevin says it's, it's quite transparent isn't it and I guess mm. there's no you can't influence it you just got to hope that it was going to work
2: yeah I think you could I mean I remember when George came in to read and it was probably only about two weeks after I got the part mm. so it was very fresh for me and um and it just felt really great when he came in, I think, for both of us, whether it was me coming in to audition or or him, you know. Um, and so I think that w- that would have been the main thing to find anyway in those early stages. But if you don't have that, even when it does come to shooting, I think it can be very difficult and especially to have those intimate scenes together, even if it's not a sexually intimate scene, just an intimate scene between two people. It always helps when you can actually kind of identify with that other person and talk to them about the scene beforehand, you know, and we were able to do that.
1: Um, was, was the the look of Daisy and Eddie very important to you, Kevin?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and they're obviously from completely different worlds, and Daisy's look changes dramatically through the film, and Daisy's a character changes dramatically through the film, and when she arrives in the... Um, in in this you know pastoral idyll where the where the other the other kids live, um, she in every way is an outsider, and she's bringing her kind of I guess she's from New York. Although it's never said in the film that she's from New York, in the book she's from New York, um, but she's bringing her kind of big city alienation and uh, and whatever with her, and she's bringing her kind of music. And at the beginning, she's off she's got her headphones on as though she doesn't want to have to engage with the world. It's a way of protecting herself, and um, uh, she's kind of pretty bitchy to everybody and doesn't you know doesn't want to doesn't want to open herself up at all and she arrives then in this in this beautiful english countryside idyll and uh she's opened up and kind of made to feel for the first time that she's loved and wanted i think in this in this environment um and has found a family an ersatz family for herself
1: um, we can actually have a look at a clip of daisy arriving in that idyll now i think
3: Oh hey, um this this is
2: Joe. He's uh, our next door neighbour. Well, sort of, but he lives with us as much as he can. That was his dog Jin.
3: <coughs> no, come back! You.
2: Hey, do you want a drink? You know. And you can wash her to the sink if you want. Mom! She's here! Piper, leave her, it's not time. Is your mom out or no. She's um in her study. We don't usually see her before nine.
3: She's an expert in loony extremists. She's going to save the world.
2: Piper, shut up. Take Cousin Daisy to her room.
3: Come on, Cousin Daisy. I need to give you the grand tour of the house. This is what Unicorn I was telling you about. Shh.
2: That's mum's office. Now we will come up the stairs. That's the junk room. Joey sleeps and sometimes on his dad's being a I know what wanger is, by the way. And in here is your room. You've so got the best bed in the house. Uh-huh. <sighs> well, I think my dad's probably trying to get through to me, so. I'd kind of like to yell at him in private. So, can you leave? Now, please? All right. Can I get you a cup of tea? No, thanks.
1: When when we first meet your character, Saoirse, she's not very likable um was I think that, she's lovely yeah well i'll disagree um was that part of the appeal playing someone who had that kind of like defences up or was just a yeah a bit of a bitch bit of a
2: bitch um yeah <laughs> i remember a note that kevin used to always give me especially at the start was just a simple let's bitch it up on
0: the next <laughs> one. Let's just bitch it up a little bit. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, that was the main draw. Apart from working with Kevin, that was the main draw for me, was getting to play someone um, who wasn't very likeable and was quite abrasive and, um, and quite hard to figure out, you know, because not only is that so much fun to play, but it means that she has somewhere to go and she begins to become a bit more broken down as the story goes on. Um, and I had played quite a few characters up to that point recently at that point that were very understanding and very kind, you know, um, sweet people. And I, I didn't really want to do that anymore. So
1: It's like a sort of palate cleanser for you. Yeah. I didn't, wa- didn't want to get bored. Your real self. Exactly.
2: I to show <laughs> who I really am. Um, but the whole New York thing as well, I mean, for me, that was a really big part of who Daisy was and her attitude and her character even her look, you know, I feel like um, just being a New Yorker in general can, can be a great kind of defence and I know that I, <laughs> I even use it sometimes too, I was born over there and um, and that was something that really I think gave me the confidence to bring out the attitude that hopefully she needed So,
1: um, How did you crack the accent?
2: Um, well I've done the American accent a lot, I've done it in almost every film that I've been in, apart from a few, um, and and I was born there, and I grew up with American TV, and have been around American people my whole life, and I think my ear was probably just open to it from an early age. So.
1: Sure. Um, you mentioned the um, the intimate scenes. The 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 sex scene is a vital part of the story. I I just imagine these things are incredibly awkward, are they?
3: <laughs> I didn't think it was. I was... No, it was. It was I like, It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's yeah. it's great. It was Rough very it. awkward for Sasha but yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's something we kind of, we kind of just worked out a strong backbone to it, really. So that there is, I think, the most awkward thing is is kind of knowing what's too far, what's not enough, all that kind of thing. Because you know, you can you can sort of do whatever when you're sort of doing a kind of talky scene, but. It's you know you do, there's kind of boundaries of kind of what's not enough what's too much sort of thing so we just kind of laid a strong backbone really and then so we knew where to go so it was
1: it was fine. Um, how did you find it from a directing point of view?
0: Well, it's um, sort only of the sex, second sex scene that I'd ever done. I did one in Last King of Scotland, which was a completely was different sort of thing, yeah. which was very on and very sort of That's sexy. That's what we started out with, and then yeah. we back, the <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, then we toned it down a little, <laughs> a little bit. Um, no, it's um, uh, and the thing I learned. In fact, when I made Last Year in Scotland, I never made a f- feature film before, and um, I knew Danny Boyle a little bit. And I, s- I said to Danny, Will you, you know, can I come out f- for tea with you? And can you tell me a few tips for how I direct my first film?" And, and and he gave me a sort of you know ten, ten pointers to directing a movie, which was very useful. And one of them was about directing sex scenes. And he said, um, he said to me, you know, the thing to do is to make it completely unsexy. So rehearse it. In, um, you, know, you know, to death, and make it all just like a choreography that you got to do. So, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, and then we're going to do this, and you want to take all the sort of sexuality out of it. And I think that was sort of how, how, we, how we approached it. And um, we tried, we, the whole lot of the film was done in a sort of semi improvisational kind of way. And so, we tried, you know, various things out, and it was just me and the cameraman and, and a, sound, a sound man, and that was sort of it. It was a very, very small set. And, um, uh, because you don't really know what's going to feel authentic what's going to feel really loving between two people until you try mm-hmm. it so we tried various different things and hit upon hit upon the right the right note i hope
1: um, have your friends and families seen the scene? yeah my
3: yeah my family yeah. have yeah, yeah. But, and um <laughs> well my yeah. well <laughs> like, marks out of yeah. 10 or yeah, something
2: yeah. <laughs> 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 um my, yeah, my parents saw it with me. Uh, it was me and my best mate in the back row of this cinema. And they sat up the front. And I said to my mum, because I couldn't really see whether they were looking at it or not. I was kind of peering down and looking away at the same time. Um, and afterwards, I said to my mum, listen, you know, did you... Sex, and did you, did you watch it? And she said, I just told your dad to look at the floor. <laughs> and i tell him no, I when watched. to look up again. Yeah. That's what they did. <laughs> I was fine though. I wasn't nervous about. I was surprised that I wasn't nervous. Remember, I said to you beforehand. Yeah. I felt no, fine about it.
3: Yeah, I think it's just one of those things that's kind of. I don't know. More for other people kind of get kind of sort of nervous about it for you. Like, oh, what's, how's it going to be? And we yeah. just Did it? And it was grand. Like. So. We
2: were comfortable together, so I think that makes a difference too. Yeah,
1: huge difference, I'm sure. I I, I think I went into this film thinking. So it's based on a on a book for teenagers who, or young adults and. So it's not going to be that disturbing. And, uh, and on the contrary, there are some generally kind of terrifying moments mm. within, within the film. Mm. Um, was it tricky making sure that you sort of got the, the balance right for the audience? The, how far to push it, I suppose.
0: Um, I don't know. I didn't think about that much. I just th- thought about m- making the most powerful film that I could. And really a lot of the stuff that's in the v- Film that's shocking was in the book, but I think when you when you when you read about something, it has less impact on you. I think, than think when you you see it and it's sort of literal in front of you, and uh, yeah, I think I think uh, a lot of people have asked me, you know, you know Harley, the young girl, you know, she's only ten years old and she had to see some horrible things. But of course, it's not like that. When there's a dead body lying there, and Harley's, you know. 10 she goes up and says how do you do that makeup and pokes the body and pokes the stunt man and, 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 and it becomes part of the, the fun of the yeah. day's filming so it's not at all disturbing dist- disturbing for her but what I really wanted to do with the film was to to, to surprise the audience because I was surprised reading the book about what happens in it and I wanted to recreate that feeling for the audience so they, 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 they start off thinking it's a one sort of film it's a it's a it's a, a, a sort of teen love story of a f- type that they might be quite familiar with. And there's various tropes from sort of teen, teen, teen films that they might have seen before. And then, wham, they're blindsided by a very different sort of film uh, that takes, the, the, the plot takes a, a, a real left turn. Um, so, so I think, you know, um, uh, I hope people are quite shocked by it. I hope people are moved by it. Um, but I hope also at the end that they feel like it's a um, uh, 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 moving and positive experience. Because it's a film about love. You know, that, uh, More than anything else, it's about how love can help you survive the greatest hardships in your life.
1: Um, I, I felt exactly as you described. I felt like you kind of sold me a dummy, basically. <laughs> I was watching a sort of coming-of-age love story. And then suddenly, yeah, it just goes in, the, in a, in a mm. direction. Because I didn't know the plot at all. In mm. the, so it... it it's successful. We can have a look at a clip actually where it makes that sort of radical left turn.
2: This is how you make the best marshmallows. Place it in quite a small place make sure it's quite a hot Don't plate. put it in for too long. Try some of this. Mm, do not have to? Yes, it's really good. Cause <laughs> mm. are actually pretty good.
3: Sally just getting into the house. I can hear for miles.
2: Sally's our over. She's got double jointed thumb.
3: What's happening? Beg get home. It's snowing. Get the stuff. We're going. Piper, come on. We're going now.
1: Prior to, to that scene and the, the outbreak of uh, a third world war, it's kind of, it's this as you mentioned, this kind of bucolic ideal and it's kids together having fun and having kind of little adventures. Was that in, it, enjoyable to film, that kind of section of the film?
3: Yeah, we, we had like, the best time doing it. It was just, everyone got on so well and that's always kind of a standard thing, I'm sure. Lots of people say and might not always be true, but we really did become like a little family and... And yeah, as Kevin said, it was there was a sort of level of improvisation in some scenes as well, so it all kind of felt very free and and wonderful. Yeah, we just had the best time.
1: Um, and, and your character is basically absent from the, the second half of the, of the film, George, apart from in a few kind of unsettling sort of dream sequences. Um, so it's absolutely vital that you make this kind of connection with the audience and make them understand that you know your character is the drive for. Daisy's journey. Did you find that challenging, did that kind of prey on your mind that you needed to to kind of grab the audience in that?
3: Um,
1: I guess, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's got
3: um, an important role to play, but I think it's the thing of, when, you know, you, you, you love someone, it's kind of, you love them, and most of the time it's, like, it's rare that it's anyone else but you who loves them, truly. So, therefore, it's a personal connection, it's a personal love that Daisy has, and obviously there's got to be some sort of crossover for audiences to be in touch with them as well, but it 's daisy 's love more than anything, so I kind of I just wanted to concentrate on on that um, which I know, relieved it, it didn 't feel sort of any pressure to kind of uh, certainly something I happen. thought about
0: a lot I mean, about how to it 's the sort of cold mountain problem I called it mm-hmm. you know which is that, that film um, you no know, one of the, I, I lo- love that film, but I think one of the things that maybe doesn 't work as w- so well as it should in that film is that you 're not I'm not sure you remember the love that you've been set up at the beginning between Jude Law's character and, um, oh, who is it? Um, Nicole. And Nicole Kidman. Um, and uh, I think by the time they get back together, you've almost forgotten the love at the beginning. So it was something that I was thinking about um, quite a lot, how to deal with that.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at another clip, actually. It's one of the, the sort of quite disturbing um, and bleak uh, set pieces that uh, affected me anyway. (laughs)
2: Of course they are. it. You need to keep moving. Are you OK? I said keep moving.
1: Um, there's, uh, I think we'll open it up to the floor in a moment, but I was just kind of wondering, there's, there's an awful lot going on in, in the film. There's this, Coming of Age Story is a love story, all set against the backdrop of a nuclear war uh, of some description, which we don't get a lot of detail about. Um, what's the what's the main message that you want people to take away from the film? Each of you, do
0: well, for me, I think I already said what how how I see it, which is there's a film about love and um, the power that love can give you to survive the toughest of circumstances. Saoirse. Sure.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. I don't think you can really put it better than that. It's. Uh, I think some of the best films are simply a- about love. Um, and I think we'll, we can probably all agree that that is ultimately the most important thing in anyone's life. And so especially for uh, two young people who, <coughs> in Daisy's situation in particular, have never had that intense... Um, feeling for someone before to have this for the first time and have it taken away from them so soon is so heartbreaking and that's what i think is so uh, important about really showing how idyllic the first half of the film is so you really as kevin said you really miss not only eddie but that whole world when it's gone um and it's about any journey that you will go through to to get back to that place so
3: yeah, I would. Echo, you know, both of those. It's a, f- yeah, a film about love and, and the power of it and and what it can inspire you to do, and that that's that's everything basically.
2: Yeah. And about family as well. I think mm. that's what I like. Is that it's. I mean, it is about their love story and their separation but so much of it is about Isaac and Piper and Joe as well and how they all cross paths at some stage, whether it be good or bad. Um, About
0: how Daisy finds a family.
2: How she finds a family and also Mm. how Eddie is so committed to his family and protecting them and then welcoming Daisy into that circle and protecting her too. So I think it's about that as well. It's
3: sort of every form of love, really, be it, you know, sort of family, platonic, you know, like a relationship, a first love, uh, parental, it's yeah it's love in in all its and all of its and its most purest form um,
1: okay, I think we've got a mic sort of <laughs> lurking around if anyone's got a, a question they 'd like to ask don't be shy if you are shy, I'll just ask more She's questions. Not shy. So I can talk forever <laughs> yes
3: um this question's for Sasha. um in in the past, you've played quite like dark roles or sort of intense roles. Would you ever look to do sort of like a comedy or like a romance? <laughs>
2: I think that's what everyone's wondering. Um, maybe something where I don't shoot someone. The, oh, you guys <laughs> haven't seen it yet. I shoot someone in the film.
1: You're ruining it. And uh, <laughs> I'm not ruining it. It'll it'll get bums and seats as well.
2: No, <laughs> it's my dad. And my dad plays the guy that I shoot. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit of trivia for you. Um, no, I'd love to. I'd really love to. Um, I mean, I've grown up watching comedy mainly. Um, and it's r- really... Um, probably my favourite genre, all in all. I, uh, I never kind of get sick of watching a comedy film. So I'd love to do something like that. I mean, the first film that I did was a rom-com, but nobody saw it. Um, so I'd like to do one that maybe someone might see. Kevin, do you want to... Yeah, let's
0: do a Should rom-com. Should we just pair up let's on do this?
2: A Should we all get in on this? <laughs> How I Live Now, the sequel, but happier times. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, anyone else? Yes.
0: Um, the film looks beautiful. Where did you shoot? Well, it's a film about the magical power of the English countryside, so we naturally shot it in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's very unspoilt. Sorry? Where in Wales? We're in, Wales in South Wales. A place called Clandovery, if you know it, or just near there. Oh, OK.
2: <laughs> Where are you from in Wales? OK, oh, so it's a, not, that, not yeah. that close
1: to there. I Me like neither. it when it turns into a Q&A with a member of the audience. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so tell us about uh, yourself. When did you go to school?
2: Okay. <laughs> it's um, great in Wales. We loved Wales.
1: How was the, how was the weather?
0: <laughs> Atrocious. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you see the film, hopefully you will, you'll see that um, it looks like a lovely summer. It looks like the perfect summer. Um, and that was the biggest effort in making the whole film was making it look good because we had literally half hour here and a half hour there where it was sunny and we'd run yep. up a hill and go, let's shoot now, quickly, well, the sun's out. It was just rained continuously. you remember, even in London, it was miserable last mm-hmm. summer. Um, and ironically, as I was talking to Serge earlier, I've just been making, filming this summer, a film that's all set in a submarine uh, <laughs> where I don't need any natural light at all. It's all dark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I could have used this, this summer with last year. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, there's a there's a sort of look specific look to the two not quite halves but the two sections I suppose of the, of yeah. the film was that something you were quite conscious of uh, e- even in terms of the camera work there's a there's a change isn't there
0: yeah no we made a, 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 the, the camera and Franz Lustig and I made a sort of decision that when Daisy and Eddie are are are, are split up that the whole feel of the film, the whole atmosphere of it should, should shift. So we went from this, um, the, 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 the color palette changed, the grading changed, the um, camera moves changed. Uh, it went from being handheld and rather romantic and colorful uh, to being either locked off or on steady cam or uh, much more controlled crane work and that kind, that kind of thing. So it, was a, it, it creates something more distanced feel, a slightly colder feel. Yeah. Um, which sh- suits the coldness of that second half of the film. And, of course, then it changes again when they re-meet um, at, at the end of the movie. Yeah, it feels You've
2: ruined sort. it now, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, <laughs> I
0: don't know. Yeah. She <laughs> shoots someone. No, uh, <laughs> well, we have to have one more <laughs> yeah. question. Yes.
2: That's true.
1: Could you um, talk about the collaboration between um, you and John Hopkins? Because the score is beautiful. I listened to it on um, iTunes. And... Um,
0: Good well, a reference. Preview of it. Appreciate. Yes. Sure <laughs> <laughs> There's a voucher coming your way after this. Yeah.
1: Could you talk about like the themes and sort of like the tone you went for? What
0: yeah. No. I side? mean, John is absolutely wonderful. And, and uh, those of you who don't know his work, he's he's uh, nominated for a, a Mercury Prize this year, as he was a couple of years ago when he did a collaboration with King Creosote. And what I love about his music, and particularly what he's done for for the film, is that he managed to combine. Uh, fragile heartbreaking melodies uh, with electronica and amazing use of kind of ambient sounds and, and sound effects that are, that are kind of embroiled into the music and there's not many other people who can do that who can both write a, a heartfelt melody and also are, I, I can master um, uh, that sort of soundscape style of, style of scoring and, and he really can, can do both and, um, yeah, you should listen to the rest of his music, but also, yeah, buy the soundtrack, I think. It's, it's already up, is it? Um, there's a preview. There's a preview. OK, well, it is, it is absolutely beautiful.
1: Um, I think that is all we've got time for, so please just join me in saying a big thank you and give a big round of applause to Kevin, Sersha, <laughs> and George.